and welcome, citizens of Dark Rose City. You have arrived at episode 34 of Dark Rose Comics Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry E., and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. If you are new to the show, this is a podcast where two nerdy guys put themselves a nice hot cup of coffee, and then we sit down to break down, analyze, and discuss some of the new comic books hitting the local comic shop. The coffee we'll be brewing today is called Three Sisters, roasted by Kicking Horse Coffee. And the comics we'll be discussing today are Heroes in Crisis 2, Justice League, Aquaman, Drowned Earth number 1, that's a mouthful, (laughs) (laughs) and Batman Secret Files number 1. If you like this show, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And alongside we're hitting that subscribe button, let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review and, uh, and a rating, and make sure you tell everybody about this podcast. Make sure you tell all your friends. Now, before we get into our topics, get into our, sh- our comics. Why are you saying it like you that? Know, uh, huh? Why are you going to say it like that? I don't know, I'm just trying to build hype. Okay. How have you been, man? <laughs> How are you doing, Victor? Well, doing pretty good. Uh, I discovered this brilliant Netflix series called American Vandal. Okay. <laughs> and it's and it's so hilarious because it's it's filmed in the style of a documentary, uh, very similar to Making a Murderer. Okay. Right? So it's it's these two high school kids. And they take like these really like insignificant like local issues. Like the first season is about a student that got expelled from his high school because he was blamed for uh, spray painting 27 dicks (laughs) on on staff cars. (laughs) So this whole documentary documentary is them trying to exonerate him of that crime. It's so stupid, but it's so funny. And the second season's even funnier. It's it's based on somebody called the Turd Burglar. <laughs> Wait, so the whole first season is about the other one? Yeah, it's that about, was the whole first season. That's the whole first season. Oh my goodness! Them just like trying to find new clues to exonerate uh, the the guy named the guy's name is Dylan. Okay, just to try and exonerate him from uh, being expelled from the school. <laughs> <laughs> like like it's it's. It's completely non-serious issues that no one should care about but they make it in a way where it's so like it's such a serious that crime that they completely play it up yeah, yeah. It's, it's the best you, you have to watch it Jerry you have to watch it alright maybe I will maybe I will I did recently just finish uh, Seven Deadly Sins oh boy on Netflix there's, oh a, there's a hole in my heart now there's a that's how I felt yeah that's how I felt it was so good it was so good and it's it sucks because I'm debating on if I should just go and pick up from the manga to try no, to. No, I would up from wait. I would wait. Yeah, because the experience is different. Right? The experience is different for me. Like I don't, I won't jump into a manga of a show that I started unless I just absolutely cannot wait. Yeah. Right. Like, I for me, uh, Seven Deadly Sins is is a is best experienced in anime, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Are you so you're past the the Ten Commandments part then? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. finished oh, everything. Oh, okay, finished yeah. everything on Netflix, but they didn't. Yeah, well, no, I can't. I don't want. They to didn't resolve that yeah. particular issue, but uh, we we will see in season four. Yeah, whenever that comes out, who knows? But you I still have quite yeah. a bit of anime that you need to catch up on. So I mean, there's yeah, there's a bunch of other shows. Yeah, but it's just I I don't know I don't know if I'm gonna jump into all of those. Oh, there's too many. 
There's too many. Not like you're doing anything else. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I got dreams, you know. <laughs> I got sure. dreams and aspirations. I'm sure you do, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, you know what? Let, let's uh, let's just go brew coffee and talk comics. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> and we're at the comic segment. And in this segment, what we do is we take some of the new comic books coming out to the local comic shops and we break them down, we analyze them, we discuss them, and we try to talk about some of the themes that are happening in these books. But before we get into our books for the week, Victor, why don't you talk to us some more about that coffee we'll be having for the show. So our coffee this week. Yes, sir. The coffee that we are currently consuming right now. Yes, sir. Is named Three Sisters. Okay. By Kicking Horse Coffee. Kick. Kicking Horse? Kicking Horse Coffee. All right. And it, it seems to be an amalgamation of three different kinds of beans. Okay. Um, it's stated to pay homage to powerful peaks with a triple punch of light, medium, and dark roast, which is a suggest, which suggests that there's three different kinds of roasts within this one. Okay, right. Yeah. One pack of coffee. Yeah. Uh, it's been self-described as smooth, savory, and seductive. Calvin Klein. <laughs> and the beans have been sourced from Indonesia, Central, and South America, which is obviously the clear giveaway here that it is an amalgamation of three different kinds of beans. Right. But we'll, 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 go, into, we'll go into more detail about how this tastes later on. But in the meantime, Jerry... Yes, sir. Okay, that Jerry. that voice. Oh, what we got going on this week, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> I see the seduction's working from the coffee. So coffee's make, the coffee isn't seductive. It's making us more seductive. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. All right. So uh, before we start talking about the books, spoiler warning: do be warned. Because of how we're going to be covering some of these books, because of the nature of the show, we are going to give away some plot points, and we're going to have to do that in order to cover some some of the themes that are happening in the books. So, with that being said, first book we're going to be talking about is Heroes in Crisis number two. It's written by Tom King, art by Clayman and Travis Moore on pencils, Tomomori and Arif Prianto. You're doing good, man. For colors. Keep it going. And Clayton Cowles on lettering. So, second issue of Heroes in Crisis. This is the, uh, I guess, the the big DC event happening right now. Kind of their next crisis story. The second biggest thing in DC right now. Let's... What's the biggest thing in DC right now? Drowned to Earth. Well, I guess so. I would say that's the bigger blockbuster. That between the two series, I don't know. I, I my money goes to Heroes in Crisis. I okay. Here's the thing, because it's I, a crisis. I, I agree with you. However, we also have to think from the mind of the average consumer. I guess so. Which one would they much? They're well because if they're picking up Justice League, yeah, then, yeah. I mean, Justice League is always going to be the bigger blockbuster title anyway. Yeah, I guess so. Even though this is both technically Justice League titles but yeah I digress so what'd you think of this book really sad (laughs) it's really sad I really enjoy this issue because it does dive into the deeper and darker psyches of heroes Mm -hmm. like you you certainly don't see heroes behave 
the way that the heroes have behaved in this particular issue, uh, especially uh, from uh, Barry from the Flash, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, that's not a reaction you you typically see Flash have when it comes to well anything, right? Yeah, and uh, I think Booster Gold really did a good job of delivering the kind words <laughs> to the Flash, uh, but also. I see where where the division is coming from now, right? Where where the sto- the story is going to start becoming really dicey for certain characters. Okay, right. You know what I mean? Uh, especially with Batman. So we'll, we'll see how that uh, how that unfolds moving forward. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, because. Batman in this issue particularly lied about something, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. <laughs> and like it's showing that he's even willing to lie to people closest to him. To the point where Superman was convinced about that lie. He was just like, "Oh no, he doesn't have any kryptonite on his <laughs> belt." Then they pulled the kryptonite, and Superman's just like, "Oh, well then." Well, he had kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> but that it. It establishes something in super in um no sorry in Batman's character right yeah is that ultimately he still doesn't trust anybody right ultimately he still has all those precautions I, I, but with I, it, like on him but I don't think that's a matter of trust because he trusts Superman see I don't know because it's to me whenever Superman has stuff like this it, it's just a it's just a last resort in place of if something were to happen to to that person. It's it to me. It's not that Batman doesn't trust these guys, but we've seen how we've seen how they can be manipulated, like they have in the past. So I believe it's just more of a precaution, more than anything. Though, why Batman? Felt like he had to lie about it. I don't know. Well, in in the context of the story, that line was kind of a throwaway line. Because they were talking about how Superman was sort of asking Batman if he had built a backdoor to spy on yeah. the sanctuary, yeah. right? So he's saying, um, the cryptid, he's saying, he's like, oh, you probably just have kryptonite in your bat belt. And then Batman's, I yes, I prepare, but no, I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. I, I designed sanctuary to stay anonymous so it needed to be anonymous mm-hmm. however if a passing statement like that can sort of go you know it sets precedent yeah it can set precedence on what batman is actually saying yeah and oh here we go a, vin diesel's <laughs> back <laughs> dom there, is back there's someone outside just he just he just really wanted to he just really wanted to testify to this neighborhood <laughs> And it's like a little circle, so I guess he's doing laps. I don't know, NASCAR. Yeah. So NASCAR. <laughs> so that guy threw me off. That guy with the car threw me off. Completely threw me off. It's just he's buzzing. Still, but he's my, still going though. It's just buzzing in my headphones. This guy right is now. not going <laughs> to stop. It's not going to stop. He just keeps going. We're gonna have to, we have to. We're gonna have to accept the fact that he's going to be a part-time <laughs> guest this episode. <laughs> All right. So Batman here shows that you know what he's saying may not always be true right so he's talking about how he wanted sanctuary to be anonymous which technically it should be Mm -hmm. right in a situation like this you see that in real life as well 
with regards to like patient, uh, you know, doctor patient confidentiality, it's it's in a similar vein, right? Because if you breach that confidentiality, you could it could be some serious trouble for you know. So in this particular case, it's going after the same idea, except it's talking to it's talking to the AI in Sanctuary, right? Yeah. We sort of get it at the end here, at the end of the story, where a report has been sent in, you know, saying that they are the puddlers and they are here to reveal the truth of what's happening in Sanctuary. Yeah. Right? Because they believe that these heroes are hiding themselves from the rest of the world. Right? Right. So my my assumption here is... Somebody inside caught, got a hold of what of whatever Batman is using to monitor them. Mm-hmm. So even though Bat- Batman's saying he's not monitoring them, obviously he is, right? And yeah. the kryptonite situation at the end with Harley is kind of just confirming that, confirming that something is happening and that Batman's doing something about it, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm thinking is. Somebody on the inside got a hold of whatever Batman used to record it or got a hold of the recordings from the AI, maybe. Yeah, because it... And is leaking it out to the world. It does make... uh, Right, because they do... do At the end, I believe, they they send the compilation of videos to to somebody. They sent the compilation... To Daily Planet, no? To Daily Planet, yeah. They sent the... They sent Roy Harper's. They sent Arsenal's. And then they said that, that there was more to there was come. There was more to come. Yeah. Yeah. Which, right after that, you see Clark Kent's confessional, mm-hmm. right? Earlier in the issue, you have Batman's confessional, you have Wonder Woman's confessional. Eventually, all of their identities are coming out. Yeah. Which, to me... Um, makes me believe Batman a little bit more about not having that backdoor to their security system mm-hmm. because then, you know, why would then he open himself so willingly if he knew that there was a backdoor anyway? Right, okay. You know I what I mean? You, you mean, get what yeah. I'm trying to say? So yeah. if Batman was willing enough to put himself in such a vulnerable position, then he must believe deep down in his heart that there was no way that somebody could access all this information. Mm-hmm. Right, so yeah. However, they were able to receive or retrieve this this data that would that it's supposed to be erased immediately after it's been it's been extracted. Right. So, however, they're able to get this data. This this person is good. They know what they're doing. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just a matter of now. Now, who is it? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, who has? the technical knowledge within the DC universe to, to do that, to outsmart uh, Batman's designs. Because a lot of these robots, I believe, were made by Batman, right? Yeah. And it also has to be somebody that's close to the League, that everybody knew within the Sanctuary. Or else they would have... There would have been a fight, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? Do you think it's somebody on the do you think it's somebody on the inside of the league though or do you think it's someone who's more of a villain trying to turn a new leaf? I don't know. Because 
I mean, you're, you're getting two stories here, right? Booster is saying Harley did it, and Harley is saying Booster did it. Which immediately tells me that neither of them did it. Exactly, yeah. Right? So, I'm... I'm it's tough to say, because we're also getting new new uh, confessions uh, from this issue as well. Like, we're getting Batman's confession, Superman's confession, Wonder Woman's confession, uh, Poison Ivy's confession. Like, these were confessions that, that came out this issue that were previously unknown in the other issues. So, there's no way of 100% saying that, that perhaps maybe it's this person that did it, because now we don't even know if that's all the people that have been doing confessions so far, mm. right? So it's, it's tough to say. Like, we, we don't even know who's who's gone to the sanctuary, right? Yeah, yeah. So, <sighs> mysteries abound. I, I will say, however, that, uh, that the bouncing around of the story was a little confusing. Yes. In term, like they they did bounce around between Booster, Harley, and the the trio to danger over here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a Dragon Ball Super reference, just in case, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, um, so uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll see. Like the the bouncing around uh, was a little. It was it's it was tough to follow, and then they bounced back to, of course, Wally's Wally's uh, story with Barry. Well, to, to Barry punching, yeah, Booster Gold and asking what what happened, yeah, right. But it's yeah, like I know what you mean by it bouncing around being a little odd because yeah. it's it's hard to build to build a momentum or interest in a certain particular part if it yeah. keeps flashing to a next part. Yeah. Or flashing to someone else, right? But I think it's it's meant to do that because it's supposed to to create some sort of hectic feeling. Well, it reflects the to, yeah, yeah, it reflects the panic the, feeling exactly. Yeah. Also adds to like the mystery of it. But what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking is happening in this book is they talk about in here. There's there's sort of a heavier use now, especially with that uh, that reveal at the end with whoever is sending in. The um, sending in the footage. Yeah, I think there's a heavier emphasis right now on the use of puddlers. Yeah, and if we remember correctly from the first issue, puddlers are people who work in metal who remove impurities. Right, they're metal workers. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happening is this could be somebody who had lost themselves to, I guess. Um, had something tragic happen to them and they they wanted to become a hero to because they see that the heroes are not fault like they don't falter right right so they want so he wanted to become a hero wanted to be one of the people to help others who can't help themselves but he now realizes that in the sanctuary behind closed doors these heroes are really just people who can't even help themselves <clears throat> Right. Who are even having problems living their own daily lives. Right. So maybe it's not matching up to what they believe to be heroic. Mm-hmm. 
which is why they've decided to take up actions against all those who just over the time over time who couldn't help themselves but that's everyone but maybe that's not what they believe because they see the trinity anybody in the league or any any hero or villain or whatever they will see the trinity as people who don't falter right right the epitome of, exactly. of heroism exactly in that confessional batman specifically was talking about how he's he's trained a bunch of people to try to to try to work with them but he's watched so many of them die yeah right and he normally doesn't talk about that mm-hmm. right and especially from the way that we're watching him deal with the loss in batman the mm-hmm. main batman series mm-hmm. He doesn't come out to say it often. He only ever really says it to to Nightwing. Mm-hmm. So, for him to confess that way, that is the only safe place he could do it to. So, right. nobody has really seen him falter. Same thing with Superman. Superman, at, you know, in his confession at the end, he's talking about how, you know, he has to make Superman different from Clark. Right, but he sometimes doesn't know if he's Clark, trying not to be Superman or Superman trying not to be Clark. So, he he's a bit confused as well. But when he puts on his Superman suit, he knows what he's trying to be because he's trying to be different from Clark. Mm-hmm. Right. So, a lot of these heroes don't show that side of themselves to everyone. Right. They only really show it to their right. family. But now that this person has seen these exactly. confessions, but well, not what- the confessions even, just in the sanctuary itself. Yeah, like what does that mean for to this person now, right? Because now you have the trio de danger that has uh, <laughs> have exposed themselves to be not perfect. Exactly. So then, what hope do other heroes have? Yeah, in the eyes of this person now. Now it could just be like a—you uh, haven't watched this anime. It's called, um, but you've heard of it, My Hero Academia. Academia. Yeah. And. Um, there's a uh, an anti-hero slash villain in there called Stain, and his and he goes around and he kills every hero that doesn't uphold justice in its purest form, right? So like heroes that are in for into it for fame or whatever the case is, like he'll go out of his way and kill them. And basically, the only person that he's allowing to kill him is All Might, who's at the time is the number one hero, right? And upholds justice in, in its purest form. So I, I feel like this is a very similar situation. I if think so. not exactly the same situation. <laughs> I think so. And it's that sort of twisted sense of justice. Yeah. Right? That you have to, you know, in order to help other people, you have to really find ways to help yourself or you have to find ways to be perfect. Right. In order to, to be able to judge other people even, right? So... Mm-hmm. I think it's it's that type of situation in this story. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, I mean, which would make for a really interesting twist because it's, it's, it talks very specifically about the psyche of what superheroes go through. Mm-hmm. Right? They They even have this sort of Maybe they just have some sort of superiority complex. Right. Who knows, right? But yeah. I think it'll make for a really interesting reveal later on. 
once we actually find out who it is. Yeah, I, I think no matter who it's going to be, it's going to end up being a shocker. Because for anybody to... For anybody to do... To do what's been done in, 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 in Heroes in Crisis so far, and for them to enact... Uh, those particular that this particular crime against the heroes I think it's like, this is obviously a very personal crime for them this is obviously a very personal injustice to them and I, I like I said no matter who it's going to be it's going to be a shocker because we're not going to expect yeah who it is at the end it's definitely not Booster or Harley definitely not it's way too obvious like, <laughs> right from the get go you're going to say no but it's you Booster that killed them all <laughs> oh really well i don't remember and so i mean to me that's just like really obvious red herrings that yeah you shouldn't be following <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure <laughs> so yeah uh do you have any um do you have any parting thoughts on the book i just hope that i just hope this gets resolved soon like seeing heroes die for me is very it's very gut wrenching. Yeah, like on panel or off panel. Like to me, it's it's, it's all the same. To it's me. all the same. Yeah, yeah. Like even the way that the Blue Jay went. Oh, oh. my god, the way Blue Jay <laughs> went is the worst. That's the worst one. <laughs> Absolute worst. And then after they uh, they found the um, the uh, the the toy mouth stuffed down the throat of. Um, oh yeah. Of uh, who was it? Uh Commander Steel? Yeah. Ugh. Was it Steel? I believe it was Steel. I believe it was Steel. I can confirm right now, actually. It's not that far ahead. <laughs> it's just... Like, how could they do this? Uh, Commander Steel. Commander Steel, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Unbelievable. Yeah, so it's, but like that's also supposed to be like another hint, because that's like the classic Joker stuff, right? Yeah. But we know it's not. It's not gonna be Joker because Joker doesn't go from the Joker that we know from recent years. Yeah. The Joker doesn't go into this extent. And he also doesn't hide it. Like he doesn't care. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Unless this ultimately does become a Joker story, who knows? Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't see it, I don't happening, see it happening for sure, but, but I mean, that'd be way too obvious. But um, because he's always on about, and like, we're let's just say we're looking at the Joker from the last few years. He's he's always on about how Batman has to maintain his resolve. Yeah. Right. So. And how just, like Batman's like way down by the people around him is. You know, I don't know. I just don't see it. It's just too. It it's too too easy. It's too it's too mellow for Joker. Oh, to just start taking everyone out. Yeah, like it just seems too personal for 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 this to be a Joker crime. Hmm. And you can't tell me that Joker is gonna waltz in and 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 immediately start taking people down like that. Especially like Wally. Wally. Yeah. Like a lot of those people that got taken out. It's not like they were not like. It's not like they were unskilled heroes. Mm-hmm. Right, like yeah, Roy Harper, like Roy Harper, definitely could at least hold his own for a little bit against Joker. Yeah, even unprepared. Yeah, I, right? I don't think there's many people out there that can take out, that can take out Wally. No, 
Especially like because they're they're speedsters. Like it's yeah. no ordinary villain will come in and take them out. Yeah. So I do think it's somebody on the inside. So as a parting thought, I got something for you. Okay. And I want and I want this to marinate. Sure. Until the next issue. Sure. Which will be like weeks from now. I think it could be Dick Grayson. Hmm. Explain. I'll do a quick explanation. Okay. Okay. The recent shot to the head. Okay. Which is also written by Tom King. Mm-hmm. Right? I think is that Grayson's eternal optimism through that has been shattered. Hmm. And that he's starting to see that a lot of these heroes can't come through and protect themselves. Right. And essentially weighing everybody else down. Right. So he is now thinking and he's seeing all of these things happen and somehow his eternal optimism has been just completely through the ringer. And he's the only guy that can get close enough to Wally and Roy that can take him out. But are you going to do that to your boys like that's that? It, that's it. I don't, I, mean? I don't think it's going to be Dick Grayson, but I also think it might be. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. That's a little far-fetched if you ask me. Because if I'm looking at all the different angles and I'm looking at a super powered person then the damage on the outside would have been much worse yeah if I'm looking at somebody who is just very smart but it's also a villain but it's not someone like not like a supernatural power type thing if I'm looking at a Lex Luthor for example I don't think he'd be able to take out Wally in that type of confines but look at the way that their the bodies were strewn about though like they look like they all got taken out at once you're telling me that 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 Dick Grayson, Mister Nightwing, can can do all that damage at once? I don't think so, man. I really don't think so. As good as he is, and as close as he would be, like if he if they were killed one by one, like separately, yeah, then yeah, for sure, I'd be able to. I could I could fathom that idea for sure. I don't know. I just I feel like he took out Wally first. And everybody's starting to come to a realization and be like, "What? What's happening?" And he's just taking people out. Oh, I don't know, man. And then people started running out because they didn't know how to deal with this guy. And then Commander Steel, like, I don't know. See, Commander Steel, I don't know. <laughs> but it's... I don't know. And for him to be able to stick that down his throat, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. Like, it just, it just doesn't make sense. Well, but, it's, uh... it's maybe it's somebody who thinks that Batman is going to be going through all this stuff and showing him what he wants Batman to believe. And he's just messing with him. And who else can mess with him better? If not him, if not Nightwing, Red Hood. Even Red Hood doesn't like what? Same, what, 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 what Red Hood recently went bad. Right, but in even the still, the recent what? Red Hood in the Outlaw book, he took out Penguin, and yep. he became a, a new Outlaw again. So he became just straight Red Hood. Yeah, but he left bad. the left the Outlaw crew behind. That's Penguin. No one cares. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> So that's that's the thing. Like you know, it could be him. Time will tell. Time will tell, Jerry. But I will let that. I will allow that to marinate in my marinate. Let that sit till the next issue, and we'll see what hints are there. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to book number two, and it is Drowned Earth, number one. What? (laughs) (laughs) Drowned Earth, number one. I gotta find this. Oh, there it is. I was like, where's my page? Okay, it is written by James Tynion IV with art by Howard Porter, Hi-Fi on color, and Tom Napolitano on lettering. 
So, what did you think about this book? This is the um, this is not part of the Justice League Aquaman main titles. It's no, kind of like a one shot, like a one off to like sort a, of bridge all the stories. Yeah, so that it can all seamlessly fall in line with Justice League issue eleven. Um, I thought it was good. Uh, not a big fan of the artwork, but. Again, like who am I to? I can't draw at all. So who am I to say? <laughs> uh, I I did enjoy. I did enjoy the 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 issue overall. My only issue with it, my only issue with the issue. <laughs> is, I'll see myself out. <laughs> my my only problem is that um, it just didn't add much to. To the actual story. Yeah. Like you're not giving me much. Like it, it fills in the gaps that it's supposed to fill in. Like what happened to him again when she, when she got uh, beamed off from the Titans and went to Batman. Right. It explains that. Um, a couple of our heroes get beat up here and there. But other than that, there, there isn't. There isn't much else that's added to the story. I was I was shocked. I thought that they would go into at least a, a a deeper go into deeper detail about how Mira and and Orm are gonna mm-hmm. fit in the bigger. But they didn't. Yeah, that was exactly what I was gonna go. To, it, so. it, it, they didn't. Yeah. It just it just left off. It just started off from where they left off uh, in in Aquaman. For like a page, and then <laughs> yeah, like he made it a page further than what they were. Yeah, and then he got taken out too. Yeah, and then of course, spoiler warnings. They did the Black Manta reveal, which we totally saw coming. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and that was it. That was the issue. So, it, it, not that it was a bad issue by any means. To me, it was still enjoyable. It just didn't add much to to the main story Mm -hmm. and now that I think about it that's probably why they made this a one-off separate issue okay all right right just because it just what happens here just doesn't fit in with the main title in terms of what they were trying to have this come across as right like this is very much a bridge issue I think so I think so there was a lot happening in this book that amounted to a lot not happening yeah you know, so it's just, it's like they took the toy out for Orm and then they put it right back. And they're like, no, he's not going to be a part of this. It's like they took, you know how you have a simplified math equation? Yeah. It's like they took that simplified math equation and then they expanded it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they just add, they just added it to make the equation more complicated than it should be. Uh, that's what this issue felt like. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like yeah. they sort of just... Took the <laughs> took the main points that got left off in Aquaman forty one right, and Justice League issue ten, and then they just sort of expanded the footnotes on the details, and then it's like okay now you can continue on to issue eleven and see what happens for real for real for real for real for real now yeah. we, now we know, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's just so odd because first of all I I do agree with you with the artwork, I think the artwork looks really nice. And the colors all work really well. If not 
for this being sort of this world crisis type book. Yeah, it doesn't work for this. Because, yeah, like when I see the villains, when I see what's going on, there's no sense. I don't feel the dread Yeah, of what's happening in the book, right? Whenever they turn into sea monsters, I'm like, okay, he turned into a fish. It's easier to beat him now. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's weird, like, watching, like, heroes and stuff like that turn into sea monsters. But a lot of them just look like fish. Like fish yeah. people. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so then what? Just, it just didn't build that sense of dread for me. You know? So, with, I think the fact that it's taking place in, like, especially the, the, the things that are happening in the Blood Reef and stuff like that. Yeah. Because it's so colorful, it does add a, a sort of dynamic feeling to it, to some of these new zones and areas. And a lot of the artwork does work for the heroes like they look really nice they just it doesn't work on the theme for me from you know yeah i think the um like the way that like i again i i understand the artistic direction that they decided to go with on this one because the in the opening scenes with um with aquaman talking to um uh, the other ocean lords, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it's it's colored in very beautifully, um, as you would expect this particular scene to be colored in as, mm-hmm. right? However, you 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 go into the rest of the issue and it's all colored the same way because they have to for continuity purposes. Yeah, but right? I I almost wish they did. Gotham City and Metropolis or whatever and they did the other stuff Atlantis I wish they toned down on the contrast and left that to the Blood Reef like I said they or the other yeah. way around just something to tonally change what the Blood Reef looks like yeah you know like again like I think it, they had to do it for continuity purposes because they did that those opening two pages that way they had to do the rest of the issue the same way uh, which is why I think, in general, they should have went with a different artistic approach for the whole issue in the first place. Yeah. Um, just to suit the tone um, of the issue, like a couple of a couple of panels are really good, and it suits the the issue really well. Like um, this page where um, you see Orm being released from his shackles, and they do a close up of him. Yeah. Like that's a really good panel that fits really well with this issue. Uh, another one is when. Um, when Black Manta emerges, Black, Ma- Black Manta emerges, and when Superman does his thunderclap, yeah, like that, those are, that was a really good panel. Those are all really dynamic. Yeah, yeah. But anything beyond that, like it just, it like, doesn't work. Like the dynamic feeling of all these other panels, yeah, far outweigh Barry running at superhuman speed. Yeah, you know, so like that to me feels weird because. That should be the most that dynamic. Be the most thing. dynamic, exactly. Yeah. So, but that's like, I don't want to critique the art too much because I do enjoy the art. Yeah. But I just think tonally, it's a little like it doesn't it doesn't create that sense of dread for me, and it doesn't create that world ending feeling for me. Yeah. You know, it's just everybody's fighting in water, and then there's no way that Superman didn't get a single drop of water on him. And they, at the end, they had to emphasize saving him from falling into the water. Yeah, and you, know? you have to explain to me how Flash was able to run on the water 
unfazed. Unless that was just his like speed force barrier that he created, similar to that would be similar yeah. to yeah, yeah, yeah. Mira's little uh, kinetosphere, yeah. right? Um, but that's I think it, Flash quickly explained how he was able to run on water. Does he? Because I don't think I, he does. I think he said once you he said like once you hit thirty clicks or something, you run above water. Hold on. Oh yeah, he does say that. Yeah. Um. Well, now I gotta find that specific panel. I'll find it. I'll find it. I'm almost there. I can do this myself, bro. <laughs> it's the one where he's running through the like when he's literally running around the world. So he hits up Los Angeles, Beijing, Vanity, Japan, London. On there, it's a flash fact. Did you know you only need to hit 30 meters per second to run on the surface of water? I'm beating that by a few decimal points. Yeah, so if he's running on the surface of water, he's still touching the water. Yeah, but he's got like boots on and everything. He's got like a full body suit. It only makes contact with skin, as far as I know. Like oh, it only changes man. you once it makes contact with skin. We'll see. We'll see. But I think it has something to do with the speed force more rather than him, like how fast he's running. I think he's creating like a speed force like barrier similar to the kinetosphere. Maybe. Maybe if that's what it's called, the kinetosphere. I could be wrong. <laughs> I just like to say kinetosphere because it sounds cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, not much was added to by this issue. Yeah, I, I think that was its its biggest downfall. It just to me it just feels like a waste of a week. It's I feel like it's action packed for for the sake of being action packed. But it wasn't action-packed to resolve anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was just a lot of a lot of things happening. Yeah. yeah. But not necessarily things that are important. Yeah. You exactly. I mean? Because know, a lot of the stuff that happens, we already know happens. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's the biggest thing is that a lot of things that are happening in this issue, we've already seen in the other issues, right? The, the one problem sometimes with crossovers like this could happen is... You have crossovers like this that can then say, you know, editors can put a note saying, you know, read this issue, that's where this happened. Read this issue, that's where that happened. But then for those who are following those issues, we're just picking up an issue that says, that's just a recap of other things. Yeah. Right? So it just felt kind of weird. The only thing that was like sort of a new thing was... Black Manta. Was Black Manta and him having Aquaman's powers transferred to him. Mm -hmm. But then I'm just like, really? You're like... Number one, Aquaman is already trapped where, where wherever <laughs> wherever they are. Yeah. Right? You can't. He's not going anywhere anyway. So it's not like him losing his powers is gonna make a big difference, unless you're gonna send Black Manta out to go do some dirty work. But then at the same time, you're gonna convince me that that no heroes can stop him because he has Aquaman's powers. Like, oh boy. <laughs> no, well, it's more dangerous, I think, because of the the type of water that's on Earth now. Right, but they're gonna resolve that. And then again, Black Manta's power <laughs> transfer is gonna be useless. Yeah, I guess. You know what I mean? So, like it, yeah. it becomes a mute point after a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they need? It's because I watched Seven Deadly Sins. They need Escanor to oh, come man. and just evaporate all the water. <laughs> Could you imagine? And then the water touches him and he doesn't even transform. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even transform. <laughs> the power of my son is too strong. <laughs> <laughs> it evaporates before it touches the skin. That would be wild. That would be crazy. But 
I do I do want to touch upon a few things in this book. Uh, one thing they talked about is the idea that um, ever since Mera took over as the Queen of Atlantis, uh, that they were talking about how like they they're still trying to build on that sense of belonging and stuff like that, right? Right. And now they're literally drowning again. They finally yeah. reached the surface under her reign, but now they're about to be drowned again. So that was the thing we talked about. I think on the Aquaman issue, which is last week, I believe. Yeah. And I think that's really important because it's not, you know, it's not it's not every day we get stories about an entire civilization fighting for the sense of belonging. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times we get that in sort of in in real life now. It's a lot of nations trying to fight for their own belonging. Right. There's mm-hmm. always there's always war for property that we that we hear yeah. you know especially overseas and stuff like that so it is an interesting thing to think about and i think especially in the case of atlantis they've been battling for so long to try to find that belonging in the surface world that when this crisis occurs that you know they're sort of being forced back down again but not to their own accord yeah and i think that's an important point to to point out um however it's it's gonna be overshadowed and it has been overshadowed (laughs) so far uh by the main event but i feel like that that's again that's an important point to point out like i i think that this is one of the issues that have the potential to to sort of point out that social issue within our world right to to make it um sort of a main point right <laughs> but it's just sort of something that they touch upon in this issue and and the and the last aquaman issue and then it's they're never going to speak about it again yeah right again something that has tremendous potential but i don't think this is the story to to fully to fully util, uh, utilize it in in any sort of capacity mm-hmm. so Oh, in this particular issue, not a whole lot in terms of, like, not not a whole lot plot advancement. I guess they they explain some stuff, but at the same time, like, really, you just you get Black Manta. Yeah, which we again we we saw coming from like a mile away. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, overall, still, I think it's a great issue. It's just not quite what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Onto onto Justice League issue eleven, I suppose. <laughs> I think that's I think that's next week. I'm pretty that, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. next week we'll get it, hopefully some more answers. Oh, we're gonna get more answers for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so let us go ahead and let's talk about our third book, which is Batman. Batman. Did you want to say this? I don't... No, I was gonna. Oh, okay. I was gonna try and I was gonna try and load it up like like line it up with you. Oh, okay. It's called. Batman Secret Files. <laughs> that would be the first time and last time we ever do that. Oh, that's, that was so weird. <laughs> that's the fact that we totally screwed it up like the first two times. Well, because I thought you wanted to say the title, right? So I was like, I was like, Batman. Oh, oh, I just want to say it. <laughs> so Batman Secret Files is an issue that is sort of a compilation of small small short stories right so we're gonna tackle we're gonna try to tackle every single one well actually no we're, we're just gonna tackle every single one because i think they all have very worthy they'll have to their talk merits about. and actually 
I found this book, you know, despite the fact that they're short stories, they they actually carry a lot of content. It carries a lot of weight to the message they're trying to send. Mm-hmm. And I actually think a lot of these short stories, because they're short, they're very effective at telling the thing that they're trying to say. So for me, this book actually was really well done. I actually really enjoyed this issue. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these smaller stories carry merit, um, which is why I believe that those ones in particular were were chosen for this issue, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm sure there was a plethora of stories that they that they sorted through, um, with the with the exception of one, in my opinion. Yeah. But aside from that, I mean, one, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get one. to that. But aside from that one, yeah. the rest of them were really good stories that that do explore uh, deeper questions about Batman that we normally wouldn't ask about him just because most of us think he's so good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so the first story is called True Strength. It's written by Tom King with art by Mikhail Hanin. Or Mikhail Hanin? I always screw that name up. Colored by Jordi Belair and lettered by Clayton Cowles. This was the um, this was the all-star team that they had for the, for the first story, right? Because every, <laughs> every one of these um, books, that the compilation books always have that that one all-star team for that one little short story yeah yeah <laughs> and this but, is this is but the for one. me for me in this whole issue in batman secret files yeah this short story was good true strength uh true strength was really good yeah but it wasn't the standout story for me mm-hmm. there were actually other standout stories for me that were yeah. i think were really well done yeah but let's talk about this one real quick so this story uh written by tom king it's about how Superman went into the Phantom Zone and onto this uh, impossible, inside the impossible universe and on an invi- impossible planet, he got something called a Platinum Kryptonite. And this Platinum Kryptonite, if you touch it, you receive powers like Superman. And yeah. you can basically become Superman. Mm-hmm. And Superman is basically offering Batman this ability to do what he does but better to do what he does but like Superman right. and be equipped with that to do better right so Batman is sitting there contemplating and then he's sitting there reminded himself of a time of something that happened uh, with the Joker um, and he, and how he could have maybe stopped the stopped the situation and blah 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 and then he goes and receives coffee from um, it's a coffee or tea uh Stirred milk, white sugar. I'm thinking it's probably tea. tea. Yeah, yeah. So he's receiving it from uh, from Alfred, and then he he's his hand just can't hold on to it because he you know through the fights he's like busted his hand open and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And finally at the end he asks Alfred, "Am I enough?" Which is uh, and then it ends the the issue yeah, like that. Yeah, and that's a question that Batman is always going to ask. Because he's in league with such strong characters, right? Flash, Wonder Woman, Batman, Martian Manhunter, Cyborg, like all these. Superman. Yeah, well, we all Superman was given, Uh, (laughs) but all these people that that he's with, and he's really the only normal human that stands amongst them, Mm -hmm. right? Like 
the question then becomes how much more effective of a hero would he be if he had the same kind of powers that they all have right and i mean granted batman's never going to have powers uh, at least not for very long because that takes away from what makes him batman in my opinion but that question is always going to linger for him yeah right uh and also in this instance why not right why wouldn't you if you would yeah you know what i mean like other than the fact that it takes away the very essence of batman but aside from that if if you're bruce wayne or if you're if you're batman like why why not if you're only weak if let's say that even if you get the same weaknesses as superman your only weakness is kryptonite and it's a pretty rare thing to find on earth at that point so then why not <laughs> i mean that's the way that i see it yeah, right? yeah yeah but for me i think the the true i guess the true message of what this this particular short story is trying to say with regards to true strength i think for bruce wayne his true strength is to be able to hold back the desire to want to pick up that power right because he needs to still he needs to show that he can do it that he is enough mm-hmm. even though he's asking am i enough he knows that he needs to be enough right because he needs to be the ordinary person that can do the impossible and fight all this stuff back and right. try to protect everybody from the darkness right and if he just picks up the ability to do that then he lose and then i think he loses the resolve so for me, when Superman, there was that, um, basically he says, Superman smiles and just leaves. Mm-hmm. Leaves it behind, says, no, nah, touch it. Then you'll have my power. Smiles yeah. and leaves. Yeah. It's because Superman knows he's not going to take it. Yeah. And I think that's where Superman sees Batman's strength, is that his resolve to do this with his own strength, with his own power, is what makes Batman so, you know, strong and strong-minded. Right, it's what makes him special. Exactly, it's what makes him Batman. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, it's a very good point. Um, the question now then is, what's he gonna do with his platinum <laughs> kryptonite? Now it's just well, sort of now it's just there. yeah, it's on the table. Yeah, so here, Alfred, you touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that superpowered Alfred. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be really cool. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very. I think it's a very well done story. Quick three pages. Yeah, literally three pages, but it, it says yeah, it says all we need to know about about his character. Yeah, right for sure. Yeah. So, let's go ahead and talk about the second story in this issue. It's called "The Nature of Fear." It's written by. So I want to make sure I'm reading that right. Ram V. Yes. Right, with art by Jorge Fornes. Am I reading that right? I, I am reading that right. The, the lettering are it's so small. Yeah. It's <laughs> with art done by Jorge Fornes, colors by Matt Wilson, and letters by Steve Wands. So this story talks about um talks about some uh, a GCPD officer who was uh, was exposed to the scarecrow the, the fear toxin. The fear toxin yeah. from Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. And 
and he's basically hallucinating and all that <laughs> stuff. Hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he sees a bat, right? And, and we know it's Batman. But he sees this bat creature and is like dragging him out and stuff like that. And he talks about how, you know, Batman is basically saying, you know, how, how do you cope with fear? What yeah. is fear ultimately? Yeah. Right? And Batman says, you know, fear is like this tunnel that you're about to go through, right? And as yeah. long as you can expect to see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you will always be afraid of what, you know, you will always be afraid of that darkness, of yeah. what the dark actually is, mm-hmm. right? Because you expect there to be light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. If you go through it without expecting there to be light, then you will never be afraid of the darkness because darkness is forever, Mm-hmm right so that just becomes the norm yeah and that's how batman has lived to accept that mm-hmm. right so i think what's really interesting in this story so spoilers because i think it's really this the spoiler i think is pretty important at the end you find out that you know after the uh, the evaluation and he thinks he's leaving and ultimately he comes to this realization that he's still stuck Mm-hmm. That he hasn't gotten out of the toxin, that he's still in under its influence. Yeah, under the the influence of the fear toxin, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think what's really important here is the idea that he talks about how Batman is just a man in a suit. Yeah, and that you know a, a man who doesn't expect to see a light at the end of the tunnel is what you know at the end of the dark tunnel, right? And that's who everybody turns to in their darkest hour. So really, what does that say about an ordinary people? Yeah. If if they're putting their trust in somebody... Who has no really no hope. Who has no hope. Yeah. Who, ha- who sees no hope. Right? And by them believing in Batman, by them seeing Batman as a salvation, is them seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So they will never... They they would never be comfortable or used to the darkness. They would never be comfortable with the fear mm-hmm. because they always will see Batman as sort of their salvation at the end. Right. And I think the other thing too is even though they're turning to Batman for salvation, Batman himself uh, doesn't doesn't think of life. Or doesn't go through uh, the ton of life, so to speak, with any sense of of hope or any sense of light at the end, and that's that. And this officer has come to this realization that this is just a man who bleeds, yet he's conquered his fears by not being hopeful in anything. Yeah, and and that scares the officer. Because then it realizes he realizes what if Batman is right? What if what if he's correct in the sense that that this is just what life is, and that there's nothing at the end of that tunnel? Mm-hmm. What if we're living the our lives the wrong way, and we should be living it the way that Batman's been living it this whole time? Yeah, and, and that I there think, is no hope. Yeah, and I think that's partially why he's still living within that that fear toxin right because now he has a different kind of fear something that's more 
that's more subtle, more hidden within your subconscious, right? And we all sort of wonder that, right? Like what's, I'm sure everybody at some point has always considered what is the point of our life? Yeah. Right? And what if it truly amounts to nothing? Yeah. I think that's the biggest fear and that's the sort of fear that this that this little short story is tapping into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And and as an officer, right? As a GCPD officer, obviously their their whole thing is about rehabilitation yeah. hope and stuff like that bringing yeah. justice and stuff like that right and and that's what he's realizing at the end is like what if there is none of that right mm-hmm. and that Batman is really just doing what he's doing because he knows there's no hope yeah right it also brings up an interesting point for me that what Batman sees himself as somebody who's able to 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 help people and try to help people conquer their fears of the unknown right yeah or just fears in general of, of all this all these monstrosities and stuff like yeah. that what I what I think even though he himself he himself knows that in order to do that you have to believe there's no light he himself is causing others to fear yeah because he's providing them with that salvation yeah and here's the other thing too what if he actually isn't under the fear toxin at the end? What if it just the fact that the way that that just the fact that he realizes the way that Batman sees life just split his psychosis? Okay. What yeah. if he? What if it just made him crazy? Yeah. Based on the fact that there's potentially nothing to look forward to in life. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because in like. When he looks at himself at the end, there's obviously the, this himself that that can rationalize things, and then the other side that's just gone completely off the rails, right? Like that's not to me. That's not what the fear toxin looks like when we're looking into the mind of somebody who's affected by the fear toxin. That's yeah. not what it looks like. Yeah, that's somebody who's come to a realization for something. Yeah. And that's what's triggering them. That's what's making them fear. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that I mean, that could, was one poten- potential observation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Another thing I wanted to bring up, it, that I, I think this short story worked really well. I actually really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how we're talking about, how I was just mentioning that Batman himself could be the trigger or the cause to what's making a lot of people fear yeah. is because he's providing the salvation himself. Right. It reminds me of The Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. uh, that third movie in Nolan Trilogy. Yeah. Where ultimately at the end, it's it's the people rising up from the underground to try to take down this, to try to take Bane down, right? Mm-hmm. Because they realize that they couldn't just rely on Batman anymore. Right. And that they have to face it head on, right? They went out there knowing that they may die or that they're probably going to die, but they have to face it regardless. And that's why they came out and did it. Yeah. Right? It's because they they put aside Batman as a salvation and they just said, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Right? So I think that's that's kind of that that was like that was a pretty powerful moment in that story for me. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in that movie for me. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Because when Batman went down after Batman broke him, I'm sorry, after Bane broke him, mm-hmm. people had to figure a way around it right people had to figure a way to face it yeah and now that, that was like one big thing so yeah 
Yeah. Very similar. Very similar. Very similar. So I, I think it does touch upon that point here a little bit, and I, I'm really glad it touches on that because I think that's one of those things where you don't you don't quite expect is that Batman really himself is a cause for a lot of what's happening in the city. Right. Right. And that does sometimes get touched on in stories that what if Batman just didn't exist? Mm-hmm. Would would things like this happen? Right. So that part's interesting for me. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's go on to that third story in here. It is called, I believe it's called One. So it's written by Cheryl Lynn Eaton, uh, art by Elena Casagrande, colored by Jordi Belair, and lettered by Darren Bennett. You know which one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, okay. I'm, I was waiting for you to say something. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were looking for. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm already on there. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, actually, yeah. It's like you just you know click next page. So, <laughs> um, so this story is Batman showing up in this uh, in this in this neighborhood. I don't really know how to describe the neighborhood. Um, so he's trying to figure out this mystery about what's happening. Um, you know, like why are some of these killings happening? Right, like some of these murders that were happening, try to solve this case. Mm-hmm. Um, so he then comes across, uh, he comes across this girl, Giselle Derrick, and they're ba- she's basically saying like, you know, there's this drone and stuff like that, and she's panicking and blah blah blah, and he finds out that the drone is actually Wing Enterprise property, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the story for me touches upon, you know, it's not. It's it's not about what you want certain things to be like. The same machination under different people could yield different results. Yeah. Right. So it's not necessarily the machine that is going to give you the result. It's whether or not it's, you have the capability or drive to make it work. It's whoever wields it. Exactly. Right? The, the the intention of the wielder dictates the intention of the machine. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. This uh, this short story really gave me some Iron Man one vibes. Yes, very Iron yes. Man one vibes. Like yeah. if you just if you just read watched Iron Man one and you'd be like, oh man, this is like the exact same story. <laughs> uh, well, obviously not the exact same, but um, I think the a lot of the 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 messages are the same, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, you know it. You have the interests. Of the people versus the interests of the shareholder, um, and I think that's always sort of been uh, a topic of of discussion uh, in terms of who really has whose best interest. Yes, you know what I mean. Um, and I thought that um, the way that they did it in the short story. Again, similar to Iron Man 1, but on the flip side of that, there's not many other ways you can make a story like this, mm-hmm. right? So I still think that they did a, a fantastic job in, in, in bringing that message across. Um, I just wish it wasn't so similar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I regardless of whether or not it is similar, it is one of those ideas that I think can be expanded on through a lot of different scenario so this yeah. is this being one of them right yeah um and it is very true like 
it doesn't it doesn't really matter who's coming up with the ideas. Yeah. Ultimately, it's about who it benefits, right? Yeah. And if the shareholders believe it benefits uh, for them to sell it or whatever, then they're going to go ahead and do that because not not a lot of people or a lot of companies or a lot of individuals and whatnot nobody can really see past their own greed and it's yeah. very rare that you get individuals like that in the world right there's been a few cases obviously but ultimately at the end there's always some sort of self-serving need yeah you know and the other thing too is uh i guess not really to add to that point but uh during this issue uh Lucius nah correct me if I'm wrong I think Lucius already knows what the drones have done on the streets Mm -hmm. I believe yes I think so yeah and then uh, Batman goes and confronts him about the drones and then Lucius goes oh well I was gonna stop these but uh, the shareholders told us to continue with it and you've and, and then obviously the whole process went through before before Batman confronted Lucius and in my mind, I'm just like, you're you're telling me like you didn't know that Batman wouldn't be okay with this. Like, <laughs> you're telling me you you create gadgets for this guy, you know him personally, you know what he does, and you're telling me that you didn't try and stop this in any way possible, knowing that that this could have been a a potential outcome. You're telling me Lucius didn't know that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I find it hard to believe. Because obviously Batman surrounds himself with very, very smart people. Yeah. Right. Alfred included. Right. So I find it hard to believe that Batman had to confront Lucius, even though Lucius knew that this was not going to be okay in Batman's books. I, I, for me, that was that was the most ridiculous part. Yeah. Yeah. But I think in Lucius's shoes, he he couldn't do anything but observe. Because he doesn't have the power to... Right, but... He's not a dumb guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like because he, well, he, he could have found to, a way. He has to take... Well, he has. That's why he made the drones a hub. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. See, that, see, to me, that's his solution, is to make the drones a hub so Batman can still see what's happening. Right? But, because these, these drones are being used... For, you know, for the wrong purposes. Yeah. And you're not supposed to be able to see what the drones are doing. Yeah. But he's built that back door in for Batman. Because he knows he doesn't have the power in, you know, in that world to really say, no, I'm not going to sell this to you. Right? So he he has to be making these shipments. And the only thing he can do is track what these shipments are doing. I don't know. I believe that him and Batman could have figured out a, a something different. You're telling... I don't know. I just find it hard to believe that that this is something that slipped through Batman's radar. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like... it just To me, it's just hard to believe that that, that, yeah. that Batman yeah, wouldn't so. know exactly what his company is shipping out and what... It's bringing no, no. I think he of. knows that the drones are being shipped out. He knows this. But he doesn't know that the drones are being resold. And I find that hard to believe. Well, yeah see like yeah that's a li- but that's a little different though because that's not something Lucius can control so but I think why would Lucius this, why would Lucius not tell him 
the hey, this is like the, oh, he's <laughs> learning about like Batman's learning, learning about all this about for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Why why he won't tell him is weird. Yeah, because he does say in here uh, that you know he goes into the specifics about what's happening on the streets. Yeah. Right. So he does go very detailed into it, which leads me to believe, like, hey, you should probably report that to Batman. Yeah. And but, and when Batman's asking him all these questions, like Lucius is just playing around with the drone, like just 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 casually just playing around, explaining it to Batman before Batman finally grabs it out of his hand, and Lucius is just shocked. He's like, oh, oh yeah, this is how you control them, by the way. <laughs> it's like you didn't think that this was a serious situation when Batman first came in and asked you what the hell's going on. Yeah, like you just casually like, oh, well these drones, you know, like <laughs> you know they got a hub and stuff in them. <laughs> I don't know. Like See, I, for me, Lucius is not Lucius is not the the type of guy like Alfred is. But he knows. He knows Lucius, what Batman does. Lucius, yeah, no, he knows. Well, obviously, because he's looking right at Batman. Yeah, but. He knows what Batman and the Wayne Enterprise is about. But his, I think his intent is to serve Wayne Enterprise. His purpose is not to yeah. serve Batman and his ventures. I don't know. I, I think- so he does what, he's also just an inventor in it. Right? It's the shareholders in Wayne Enterprise that determines what happens to that technology. Yeah. Right? So I think had this been, like for example, let's just say if it was Alfred... Now, in obviously in the comics universe, Alfred is a, Alfred is a butler. But yeah. let's say, let's say, let's take um, the DCEU. Okay. Right? And you have Jeremy Irons, Alfred. Mm-hmm. And Alfred is the one making all this stuff happen. Right. Right? Then you, you would assume that Alfred will put a stop to it before Batman even finds out. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's the type of person Alfred is. It's Alfred believes in what Batman's doing. Right. Right? What Bruce Wayne is doing as Batman as the symbol as a brand in Lucius's case it's not like that because like I think Lucius serves Wayne Enterprise more and that's why he builds the back door to you know because he's paranoid about it so he builds a back door and ultimately gives Batman access to it but his intent is to serve the shareholders. I guess, share but that means you're going to have to build a back door for everything then which I'm sure he already does yeah right so I don't know. To me, it just seems like a waste of money. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I, it just seems weird to me that Batman wouldn't already know about all these things. Beforehand. Because Batman Batman has to make money. In sure, order, yeah. In order for Lucius to keep building inventions for him as Batman, Wayne Enterprise has to make money. Sure, So yeah. a lot of this thing, these things need to happen, right? And he has to just observe it go down. That's how Stark makes money. But then Stark shut it down, though. Because Stark has a lot of money. So does Batman. Yeah, but Batman. Who, who's richer, Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark? F- figure that one out. Ooh. <laughs> another question for another time. Oh, that's an entire bonus episode. It's just, <laughs> just debating who's richer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's this story. I think that's. I think it is very interesting. You know? Um, yeah. It does talk about... For me, it does talk about how you you can't always have your eyes on everything and in order for certain things to happen there has to be some sort of necessary evil mm-hmm. right so in this in this sense i think this needed to happen yeah right and he needs to understand that like you know the tool the tools that you create 
for people, the tools that you create for the world, isn't always going to be used for good. Like as long as it yeah. falls into the wrong hands, bad it, things can happen. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that was the the main underlying message. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's what they end the issue with as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, so next short story. Um, they're in the cabin. Do you want to talk about this one? Uh, I wasn't a big fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the short story is called Enough. Uh, it's written by Jordi Belair with art by Jill Thompson. It's colored by... Trish Mulvihill. And it's lettered by... Clean Gals. Nice. <laughs> we should just do that from now on. We should just tag team them. I guess. I mean, we won't tag team them, but yeah, we... we, we I think we get what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so do you want to talk about this uh, this part of the story real quick? Uh, so in, in this particular issue, uh, Batman is being sent out in a, in a snow cabin, which is a cabin, not really specifically a snow cabin but within the area there's been rumors of uh, of a creature that's around it that's um attacking people and he, his suspicion is that it could potentially be man bat so the the main point of this issue is that he spends these i believe it's 6 days out of the cabin on his own and it goes into uh, his personal psyche and what goes on in his mind as he's there on his own right and it's nothing crazy like he a lot of it goes into uh, how he's he's how he's gonna take at take down the man bat um, understanding this the this the sounds within his surroundings right so it's nothing too crazy uh I, I think the most unbelievable part of this is that spoiler warning he hears a sound near the end of the story he goes outside and he fires an arrow he ends up killing a deer and he's shocked mm-hmm. like he didn't know that it was a deer like are you like are you serious like this is this is not a serious story is it like it <laughs> like he goes out he shoots this deer and he goes oh I shot a deer and then he looks sad for like a panel and then he buries buries the deer and that's the end of the story <laughs> that's it like I that's it and like look at that panel when he looks at the deer like he looks like he looks panicked like panicked yeah like really this is how we want to interpret Batman now like a deer murder a deer I don't know. It just the story just didn't do it for me. It's weird because we're used to seeing Batman detective skills be way beyond that, right? Oh, yeah. We're used to seeing Batman be able to to discern what it is that's around him. Yeah. So for him to go out and wildly shoot a deer is odd. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if I don't know if this is ultimately a story about how he's trying to always find purpose yeah in what he's trying to do right because yeah. i don't know maybe he's not actually out looking for man bat maybe mm-hmm. he's just out looking for time alone yeah right and he's looking to to be outside of his comfort zone 
and to spend some time alone so that he can you know learn from the experience or whatever it is yeah right i don't think he's actually out looking for man bad i think at this particular time he's he's out looking to spend time yeah and in order for him to justify spending time outside of his comfort zone he creates this whole scenario of he's out here learning and listening to the to his surroundings mm-hmm. and learning about that and trying to hunt down man bat yeah right and I think what he means by whether or not it's enough, I think he's talking about it's enough for him to justify being out here by himself. Right. Right. That the situation that that's happening around him is enough to justify him having being able to spend time by himself and not need to be around the others. You know? Mm-hmm. So I don't think it ultimately comes down to the fact that he shot a deer. No, but I think it comes down to the fact that he he created this whole narrative so that he could be alone. I don't know, man. It, it just doesn't. I don't know <laughs> because he says a few times in the too that he's not a fan of himself. Yeah, right. That he he doesn't like to be alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Which already first, if we know enough about Batman. To me, I feel like Batman operates alone. Right. He's most comfortable operating alone. Mm-hmm. Now, he also does well depending on others and works well with, you know, specifically those he trained. But I think ultimately Batman is one of those lone wolves, right? Yeah. So the fact that he comes out and straight admits that he doesn't like to be alone and that he's not a very big fan of himself, right, says, says a lot about Batman's character. It does. I just don't think it translates well in the story. Yeah, that, that, the, 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 the story problem. is odd because it uh, it cul- <laughs> it culminates into him murdering a deer, and then being surprised by it. Being surprised by it, yeah, like I he think was caught off guard by the fact weird. that it was deer. Like, like come on, it's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Know, I I just think that they underplayed Batman too much to make a point. Yeah, that it just wasn't believable that that was Batman. Mm-hmm. That was that's my whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, I I agree with you in that point, and uh, you know, I I think I know what they're trying to get at, but I, I don't think this is really the, this wouldn't have been the way that I would tell the story, but I do know where they're trying to get at. I think so. Ultimately, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Just why is he so surprised at the deer? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's jump on to the last part of the story. We and my are, favorite uh, one. This we are one. running pretty late. No we're, kidding. Yeah, we're we're very long into the segment, so we'll we'll promise to uh, to keep this a little brief. But this is, I think, the best part of this issue as well. So, uh, Victor, do you want to want take us away on this one? Uh, not really, because oh, oh. uh... let me uh, let me introduce it first. It's called the world's <laughs> greatest detective and Batman. It's written by Tom Taylor. Uh, penciled by Brad Walker, inked by Andrew Hennessy, colored by Jordi Belair, and lettered by Tom Napolitano. So, in this story, uh, Bonobo finds uh, Batman perched on a gargoyle, of course. What did you call him? Uh, sorry, a Bobo. I call him Bonobo, sorry. It's a Bonobo. Because <laughs> he is a Bonobo, technically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's, uh, he's a kind of chimp. True. Yeah, I believe it's... Uh, like family, like subfamily family stuff. 
uh, which I shouldn't be. That's this is what I studied in <laughs> university, so I, I should be ashamed of myself. But that's fine. Um, so Bobo finds Batman uh, perched on a gargoyle, um, and he says that he needs Batman's help in order to find uh, the son of somebody who uh, ended up saving him a long time ago. And uh, it turns out that this boy is mixed up with the Riddler and his gang of people. Uh, so this was a, a really, really interesting story. Um, only because now I'm a big fan of Bobo. Like, I, yeah. uh, I am a big fan of Bobo after this issue. Uh, he is, to me, now the world's greatest detective. <laughs> <laughs> Even better than Batman, in my opinion. Because he only has a magnifying glass and a hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the best line. It's like... You, you don't have a crime lab. I have a magnifying glass and a hat. <laughs> <laughs> he is the best. He is like the Sherlock Holmes of DC. Uh, I, I thought that this team up was was absolutely amazing. Um, and I think it um, I think it, it does uh, do a really good job of highlighting uh, two different approaches to justice right batman is very much about the hard hammer right like if you did something wrong like that's it you're you're going to arkham end of story mm-hmm. right whereas uh bobo sees the the good in this person yeah even though he's never met him right now granted he is biased because he is someone's son that that the person's son that saved uh, bobo um however bobo's very intent on giving him a second chance recognizing that hey like he didn't really have a choice and you know how many people in this world are jailed or or living troubled lives because they've gone through a situation that uh seemingly there was no way out of right yeah and I really enjoy these this two extremes of justice working together in this particular story. I think it worked really well. Yeah, and I think it's important to know that, like, you know, there, there's always other ways to to get through that situation, right? Yeah. There's there's always different ways to to view it and to to process it. And in this particular case, like, yes, it was bias from Bubbles' part, but because he knows that. He also understands that, you know, not everybody is in their situation based on choice. Yeah. Right. Um, in, in his particular case, he was released and he was given that chance by Matt's dad. Right. Mm-hmm. So he he wanted to to give Matt that opportunity as well to be able to make that choice for himself. Right. Right. And to be able to 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 blossom into an individual mm-hmm. into like a better individual, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, with this issue, I really enjoy that interaction between Bobo and Batman. <laughs> sometimes you need a crime lab in, in a Batmobile. Sometimes all you need is a hat and a magnifying glass. <laughs> that's, sometimes that's all you need. That's I feel like this team up just needs to happen more often. Yes. It's it's happened before, I'm fairly certain, of yeah. Batman and Bobo. I think it's happened before, if I can re- recollect. Uh, but it, it, if this if this team up ever happens... For sure, we're covering it 100%. <laughs> For sure. Because it just, it goes, it goes very well 
they they mesh very well against what each other is about yeah. and i think that that makes for really interesting storytelling yeah because they they very much go at it in very different ways yeah yeah that's that's funny <laughs> give me the print meet me at the corner of fifth and redondo why not just leave together are you embarrassed to be seen with me it's like so like, can't we just go together like, <laughs> like I, think, I think it's it's funny that he that he calls out Batman Batman for this because it's true like why couldn't like he could have just called the Batmobile from anywhere yeah but instead he decides to tell uh, Bobo to meet him at 5th and Redondo and then he pulls out his Batmobile and tells him to get in I'm like you're gonna make the poor guy travel all the way there <laughs> only to <laughs> tell him to like, get in your car from there together? yeah exactly so the, the first thing that popped in my head when he said, why can't we just go together? It's just literally the two of them just skipping down the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but this was, uh, I think this was the best story out of all of them, in yeah. my opinion. Only because, like, there was so much character development within the, the short amount of time that they had within the story. Yeah. And, you know, and it's... It's cool at the end he also calls it out like um, Batman was very specific on like he said um, I said if he hurt anybody and Bobo just kept saying I'm not hurt I'm not hurt right yeah and then he said that the kid was trapped onto this path right and Mm -hmm. it's you know it's basically a chance to get off of it you know he lost his dad to violence is that something you can relate to yeah and Batman was never really given the chance to get off that path Right, he was never given that opportunity. I think. Yeah. So, this is this is also a way, you know, Batman knows the kid shot Bobo, but Batman knows that Bobo's right. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an opportunity for the kid to be able to sway away from the path that he's forcefully being put down. Yeah. Or forcefully being put through. So. Because even when when Bobo says that, when he says, "Is there anything you can relate to?" Of course, Batman can relate to it, and and. Because he didn't necessarily have a Bobo with him at that time, it led him to become Batman, right? And I feel like if if circumstances were different, if he had a Bobo in his life, that things would have things would have turned out differently for him. And yes, because it's not like Batman, if he had the option, would continue to be Batman. Mm-hmm. Or would have chosen that path otherwise if things would have worked out differently, right? Though, granted, I mean, I mean, if you guess, if you ask Batman, hey, if I could change things for you now, would you still continue to be the Batman? I think he would ultimately still say yes. Yes. But, but the the point still stands that if he had a a different level of guidance, things would be different. Yes. Right. Yeah. Of course, I think so. So yeah, that that basically concludes this issue. Uh, concludes Batman's Secret Files. I think it's a really well done collection, really well done collection of short stories. Yeah. Um, just because like it's because each one is so short, it it provides them with the opportunity to like really just get straight to the point with the theme that they're trying to to convey. Right. Right. So I actually really enjoyed this issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were. I know last week we talked about it as well. You know, when we jumped through the uh, Cosmic Treadmill, we were going to talk about Stranger Things issue two as well today, but we're running very long on this segment, very long on the uh, episode in general, yeah. and we still got to go do our uh, Cosmic Treadmill segment. So 
what I think we're going to do with that particular series as well is it's one of those I think it'll read better as a trade. Yeah. We read Stranger Things 2. We talked about it a little bit before we got on the uh you know before we got on the recording and it's one of those issues where it it's very much reflective of things that are happening on the show. Um so if you've seen the show not nothing much crazy happens. So I think it's one of those it's like a like a perspective piece of like something that just happened in in Will's perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As a trade, I think it will read much better because you're not really going to get much progress issue to issue. So, yeah, if you're looking for something different, like in, in terms of of like adding to the lore of the strange of the Stranger Things universe, not even a lore. I think if you're just trying to add into this to character development in in these guys, like, yeah, I just think like it does much for that. No, you don't think so either? No. No? Yeah. I don't think it does much for that. Because we already know how these characters... Like, the... Again, we'll keep this very brief, but the show itself does a really good job. I think so. And, and yeah. that's why the show on on Netflix is so successful. Because they've done such a great job in helping us relate to these characters. And and really feeling for them when they go through um, the the struggles that they do. Yeah, right? yeah for sure. Um and to me, like I don't think these issues add a lot of depth to the character that the show has already developed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to me, the the comics are kind of a mute point. But again, well, we'll read it again as a TPB, and then I think that will hopefully add a bit more perspective. I think so. I think so. Well said, Victor. Thanks. Well said. Um, okay, so why don't we why don't we go ahead and wrap up the uh, comic segment? Let's uh let's hop on that cosmic treadmill. Let's go see what the future holds for us. Let's do it. And we've arrived at our destination. After we uh, hopped on and took a few laps with our cosmic treadmill. A few laps of time. (laughs) What? A few laps through time. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why'd you choke up for a second? Uh, Yeah, so we're at our brand new segment, second episode now that we're doing this segment. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're going <laughs> <laughs> so to be talking we're such, about... We're uh, such losers sometimes, I swear. Yeah. But sometimes. You, but yeah, I, sometimes. But, I, but sometimes, I love it. I love you know. it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're... <laughs> this segment, what we do is uh, we're going to be talking about some of the... Well, I guess the books that we're going to be talking about on the following episode, on the next episode. And there are some big stuff coming out. So... Uh, just gonna jump right into them. The first book we're gonna be talking about next week is Blackbird number two. And yes, um, yes, <laughs> yes. Guys, so excited! This book is so good. We love it. We absolutely love this book. Um, so we're gonna just give you a little synopsis of what we have uh, of what's given to us on Previous World. Um, so if you want to take a look at those, if you want to check out the covers, there's a bunch of different covers coming out as well. Go to Previous World. You, you'll see it all there. Um, so Blackbird number two. The Great Beast has kidnapped Nina's sister, and the only way to find her is to follow a trail of magic gems, hidden symbols, and a handsome stranger. So handsome. Can he put Nina onto the trail of the mystic creature she's after? I, I don't just you don't have to wait for me to respond. We know you know this book. We yeah, we I've, know this book's gonna be good. I've been waiting for it all month, so yeah, it's going to be a great book. Uh, we really enjoyed the first issue. Uh, we think that, that the world that they're trying to build here is going to be really special. So 
it's not like they're telling us much here in the synopsis, but we do think it's going to be a pretty special ride in the second issue. As well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the second book we'll be covering next week is Batman number 58. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so excited. Just, just like every book. Just, yes! yes! <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, synopsis. The Dark Knight waddles into a turf war with the Penguin. I see what they did there. Uh, still reeling from the attacks on his Bat family and reputation, the Cape Crusader looks to track down the mysterious operator lurking behind the scenes in Gotham City. As the hunt rages on, Batman runs afoul of <laughs> Oswald Cobblepot. <laughs> <laughs> but the Penguin is on Batman's side for once, and the crime boss sees dangerous things on the horizon. Oh my gosh. How can he convince the Cape Crusader he's on the level? Um... <laughs> It's the penguin. I mean, I don't. I really don't know what to say. <laughs> I just can't get past the puns. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, th- this was the level of puns we we've, we've been expecting this whole time. Yeah, it's yeah, true. <laughs> A foul. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's just another another villain on the horizon from Bane's gang. <laughs> we'll just call it Bane's gang. <laughs> Do you think? This is also part of Bane's plan, though, or do you think this is, this could be like Penguin turning tail? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's still one of Bane's ploys. Okay. I just don't. I just don't think it's. You can't convince me that in the midst of all of what's of what's happening that. A villain is all of a sudden gonna have a change of heart and go. Oh, you know what? Batman deserves better than this. Like you can't convince yeah. me of that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So, I, I still think. I still think um, Batman's out to. I mean, sorry that the, the Penguin's out to hurt to hurt the Batman, but in more subtle ways. Yeah, that's the way I see it. All right, all right. Yeah, I, I think so too. Ultimately, I think anything he runs across now is basically part of Bane's ploy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? For a while, we we didn't really see that happen, but ever since the wedding went didn't go down, it's um I think that's what it's all lining up to be. So we'll, we'll kind of have to see what happens, but yeah, yeah, it's but, cool that they're they're this run is basically going through his entire like his entire rogue gallery, yeah, and I think that's uh it's an interesting way to do it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Gives him the opportunity to work with every character as well. Yeah. Right? All right. So, third book we're going to be talking about next week, Green Lantern number one. A Whoa. brand new Green Lantern series is written by Grant Morrison with art by Liam Sharp. This is that brand new series focusing on Hal Jordan from Grant Morrison. That is all the hype right now. All the hype. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, synopsis. Superstar writer Grant Morrison of Batman and All-Star Superman returns to DC alongside red-hot artist Liam Sharp from The Brave and the Bold and Wonder Woman to launch a new ongoing series, The Green Lantern. In this debut issue, when Earth's space cop Hal Jordan encounters an alien hiding in plain sight, it sets off a chain of events that rocks the Green Lantern Corps and quite possibly the multiverse at large. To its very core. 
there's an intergalactic conspiracy afoot, afoot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as well as a traitor in the GL Court rank. So strap in for more mind-bending adventures in this masterpiece in the making. It's Graham Morrison, man. I don't know what else to tell you. I think it's going to be a very typical space cop, regular Earth cop thing where he's just like doing his duty as Green Lantern mm-hmm. and then everything would just explode into craziness. <coughs> that to me has never failed as a Green Lantern story. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited for this one. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Anything Grant Morrison does, I'm really excited for because it there is so much dissecting you have to do with his story. Right? Yeah. He he really goes through the entire spectrum of of everything, you know. So it's always it's always a very interesting read when it's Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's gonna be good for sure. Yeah, for no sure. questions asked. No questions about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the last book we'll be talking about next week is Justice League number eleven. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so synopsis. Drowned Earth Part 2. The Justice League is scattered across the Seven Seas, pursued by the Ocean Lords and their army of alien mercenaries, and constantly at risk of turning into fish monsters. You know, just a day at the beach. Their only hope lies in the crippled Aquaman, who believes the road to victory lies in unleashing equally vengeful gods on Earth's oceans. Meanwhile, Batman guards a totality in the sunken Hall of Justice, where no one can attack him. Or can they? Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so I did not get in any of the previous books that Aquaman is going to unleash more vengeful gods. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, the- <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just like one moment he loses his powers, <laughs> next moment he's just calling down more more gods. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, I think you can pretty much just disregard <coughs> Justice League Drowned Earth issue one. Oh, the um, the Justice League Aquaman Drowned Earth. Yeah, one? I think you can pretty much just dismiss it at this point. Yeah, because I yeah, it truly like reading this synopsis yeah. that that truly didn't do much. Because I, I I get the sense that if you were just to pick up issue eleven as it is right now, it will just pick off from where issue ten was, uh, and Aquaman forty one. Yeah. And then not, it, it wouldn't matter. Uh, the, or the drowned crossover wouldn't matter. It really wouldn't. Yeah, because it's. I feel like whatever the little moments happen in that book is going to get recapped in 11 anyways. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so I think that... Uh, not that this was a waste of time. It wasn't. But um, I think you can pretty much disregard it at this point And uh, we can basically start fresh with uh, issue 11. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so I, that's all the books that we'll be covering next week. I'm pretty excited. It's going to be another big week You're for sure. excited. I'm excited. <laughs> well, you're just really excited about Blackbird. I really like Blackbird, so. Blackbird is good. Yeah, yeah. So I think that pretty much concludes our Cosmic Treadmill segment. And it pretty much concludes our episode as well. So we thank you for tuning in. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, if you like what we do on this podcast, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And also remember to rate and leave us a review on iTunes if you got some time. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about the show, about what we've talked about, or if you have a book you want us to discuss on the show, please email us at contact at darkrosecomics.com. 
You can also reach us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics. What are you doing? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> this guy's in the back just like <laughs> making faces. And I'm trying to I'm trying to give this uh, a, Listen, a good you, little go I don't know what you're talking about, Matt. You can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics. You can find myself on Twitter at twitter.com slash geeky and twitter.com slash victorjyoung for my co-host Victor. You can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics. <laughs> I just can't hold it in, man. This guy. We also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash darkrosecomics. And if you want to be a part of the community, join us on our Facebook group. Our group name is Dark Rose Comics Group. And as always, take care. Bye.